Spring feast, just to make sure there, starting at the top left, we begin with Passover and move to Feast of Unleavened Bread and First Fruits, and finally to Shavuot. Like when Ron was speaking announcements, he talked about Passover and, and, and Shavuot. Growing up, it was just Passover. Being a secular, more so Jew, middle of the road Jew, there, you know, there was no understanding concept of unleavened bread and first fruits. It was just all Passover, very simple. Uh, but in the scriptures, you actually get to see all of it there and in that particular order. I want to, though, at least for those of you that maybe whether you're new to the movement or, or still haven't seen as much, I want to help you at least see as well in the scriptures why even people who of faith would celebrate Passover. And so you get asked that question, and people as they're exploring and God starts to search, what do I do with it? And so we have the scripture from Matthew, do not think this is Yeshua speaking, that I've come to abolish the law, the Torah, or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but fulfill. And Ron mentioned the spring feasts have already been fulfilled in the first coming. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke will pass from the law or the Torah until all is accomplished. And so nothing, he says, Yeshua says, he's not come to abolish anything in the scriptures, in the Torah. Abolish, destroy, cancel, or do away with. They're not to be done away with because Yeshua's here and start afresh and something brand new. And it's still here. But then it does go there in the middle of the text, and it says, but I say to you, until... So there is a little, some sort of change to expect, but when does it say, until what? Heaven and earth pass away. So as long as we're still here, heaven and earth are still here, then we need to continue with everything that is in the word of God. We need to just continue. Yeshua addressed this himself personally. And then I love 2 Timothy 3.16. Paul says, what? All scripture is inspired by God and is useful, or other translations, profitable. All scripture. Now, I come to interpret all scripture, meaning Genesis to Revelation. Now, the only thing I think, though, about is when Paul said that, was he actually thinking Genesis to Revelation? Now, he wasn't. There was no revelation then. And so if we wanted to get technical, it might just mean the Hebrew scriptures. But today, I feel confident we can embrace Genesis to Revelation. And if Paul was here with us, I think he would uh, adapt that understanding into a statement that he made years ago. All scripture, Genesis to Revelation, there is a use for it, and it will profit us spiritually in our relationship with God if we use it. But then as well, in 1 Timothy, I like though what he says as well. He says there that the laws are good when used as God intended, planned or meant. So we read the scriptures, but when we read the scriptures, we've got to also say, okay, God, what did you intend when you wrote this? Because if we ask 10 people, we can get 10 different interpretations and understandings. And so God, you know, I grew up doing this, but who cares what I grew up doing? What did you intend? What did you mean when you told us to do this? What was the goal that you had in mind? And we need to seek the Lord and to get his understanding of 
what is his intention and his plan and purpose for the feast and everything else that's in the scriptures. Another thing to remember is what? Yeshua, the Messiah, never changes. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. And so this is an important foundational understanding. He's the same. He's not changing. And so listen, the God that delivered the people of Israel through and parted the Red Sea, he's the same God we serve today. Also what? The same God who sit there and tamed those little ferocious lions and made them cute little kitty cats. They just wanted to play with Daniel. He's the same God that we're serving today. He's the same one that was there. Is the same one for us. Yeshua who walked on water years ago. He's the same. And so the God that did these things then is the same God we know today. And if he did it then, he could do it today. And so we need to keep that in mind. And so, you know, Passover, being that that's what we're looking at here at this time, think about it, you know, Red Sea, he parted the Red Sea. But if all we do is read the Bible and say, oh, thank you, God, you parted it for my ancestors, I think we're wasting our time. If all we're doing is saying you did it for somebody a few thousand years ago, who cares? That's not the purpose as far as I understand it in reading history and things that happened before. It's to say, okay, God, you parted that Red Sea. They were in trouble, but God, you're the same today. And every once in a while, I find myself stuck with the Red Sea behind me and Pharaoh and an army in front of me, and I'm in a mess and I can't find a way out. And so we study this to say, all right, God, I got days like that. And so I need to be reminded that just like you took care of them way back then, you'll take care of me today. And, and, and that's the understanding. We need to experience Passover ourselves. It's not just filling information for some history lesson. But God, I'm going to need you to part a few Red Seas once a week, once every couple of days, whatever. Every hour. There are days like that. Yes, and that's why we need to see this and celebrate. Because we need God just as much as they did way back then. And so we have to keep that in mind. And good news as well for somebody in the room, there's no partiality with God. He doesn't have any favorites. He treats people all like those different texts convey that thought. Listen, God loves the children of Israel, but he loves all of you who come from other nations as well. Just as much. He doesn't love Jews any better than anybody else. And to so say, okay, God, if you did it for the Jewish people, you'll do it for me and my people as well. And be encouraged by that good news. No playing favorites. My Reva, she'll always sit there and just sit there and joke around and do something to say, I'm dad's favorite. <laughs> she loves to do that. Just rattle one of her sisters or brothers. And she'll go, dad, tell him I'm your favorite. <laughs> and so I'll just sit there and say, I don't know what we, you know, I got to work my way around that. I'll joke about it. But with God, we don't have to worry. Reva will play that game, but God doesn't. No favorites with God were all his favorites. And he'll eagerly help every one of us. And as we know here, we're getting ready. We're celebrating Passover. And what? The Lord said, these are the appointed times 
of the Lord. Holy convocations to proclaim at these times here. And uh, in the first month, on the 14th day of the month at twilight, it's the Lord's Passover. And so he opened up his calendar, and on the 14th day of the month, he wrote appointments. He's setting aside time to meet with us. And he is inviting us and hoping and desiring that we'll take the time and meet with him. Because he's setting aside this time. He has an appointment. It's in his calendar. It's set a yearly reminder. It's there, set in stone for eternity. It's there. He wants to meet with us. Now, one of the things here as well, what this tells us here, that you're to celebrate this day, referring to Passover, as a religious festival to remind you of what I, the Lord, have done. Or this day is to be a memorial. And so as we get together on this day, as we prepare and celebrate and worship God, God says, I want to remind you of some things. I want you to remember what I did. I want to, to get, you know, for you to start thinking there in your memory. You know, bring something to our memory. And so when you want to sit back and think your memories, what do you do? You pull out your little photo album. Start looking through the pictures. I don't know, Miss Jeannie, are there any good photo albums back from the Exodus? If, I mean, there's nobody who's, who gets any older than Miss Jeannie here. If anybody would know something, this lady knows it all. Well, no, actually, there were no cameras back then, so there can't even be a photo album. And so, <laughs> she's thinking. <laughs> but the Bible is, this, is the equivalent. We don't have a photo album to bring us back to the Exodus, to look at some pictures. But the Bible is that place. To look back at the memories, to read about it, and see what God did. And so you don't have pictures to look at. But read the scriptures, read the book of Exodus this month and start reminding yourself and bringing back to your memory all the different things that God did for our people because we'll need him to do the same things for us. And so we want to do that. Now, one of the things as well is uh, in the first Passover, that original night there, God told them to eat the flesh, so that's of the lamb, the Passover lamb, with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. So in the scripture, as far as I can tell, those are the only three things that are mentioned that we have authority to know for sure they ate that night. That's it in the scripture. And that we know that they did, those three. And then, but later in the text, he talks about continuing this every year throughout the rest of our lives. And in these verses, as far as I can tell, he only mentions what? Two things, God. The lamb and the unleavened bread. It's the only thing directly in the word of God that I found. That these are the two foods. We're welcome to use others. God said, teach your children every year what I did. So we're welcome to use other food items to as well help teach. But this is scripturally what we have to eat. According to the word of God, we have to eat unleavened bread and, and lamb. And so I don't care that non-Messianic Jews got rid of lamb because there's no temple. 
They changed the whole religion in the first place. When the temple went down, they didn't know what to do. So they created rabbinic Judaism. Well, without the lamb, there is no Passover. And so if we're going to celebrate Passover, we've got to have lamb. There is no Passover without it. But when I look at the scriptures, that's all I see so far is the lamb and the unleavened bread. Well, the bitter herb was the first Passover. From what I could tell, they, God told them to eat it there. But when he was then talking about for the future, he didn't bring up bitter herbs again. So it, it certainly is important telling the story and teaching about contrasting the bitterness of slavery and God delivering it. But he told them that evening during that original Passover to eat it. But later in the text, speaking of the future, I just see the lamb and the unleavened in there as a command. We're free to do everything else. But at least this is the minimum. This is the requirement. Now, here's a scripture I love. Especially, uh, and so let me read it. What Messiah, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old bread leavened with malice and wickedness, but the unleavened bread of sincerity of truth. What book of the Bible is that verse found in? 1 Corinthians, this has become my favorite Passover verse because my role is primarily teaching in churches throughout the time. And, and so Christians might come up and say, well, hey, you're talking Exodus, that was Old Testament stuff. Well, we already addressed that. But still, even to say, okay, fine, here is the book of Corinthians. Paul's not speaking to Messianic Jews in Jerusalem directly. Secondarily, yes, it's for all of us, but primarily he first wrote this to Corinthians, non-Jewish Gentile Christians, and he told them to celebrate Passover. So he's telling Christians to do this because there's a reason and purpose. And so we can benefit from celebrating Passover. And so we need to do that. And once again, what do we see? He brings up lamb and unleavened bread. He brings up two items of food, the same two that then I saw at the end of Exodus 12, telling us to do every year throughout our generations. And so I think there's a little reinforcement that we have to eat lamb and matzah, unleavened bread, during this season that's coming up here. Now, he told us to eat it, but then as well... In verse 15, he actually says, remove it from our homes. Now, I never knew that as a child growing up because it never happened in my house. This is a picture. I took it probably two or three years ago, but this is a memory I have in my mind of my childhood. A few weeks or so before Passover, my mom would gather all the food with leaven yeast and put them on one shelf and tell me and my sister, do what you can to eat this food before Passover. And so we would work at it and, and do that. But no one's ever perfect. You, you, you know, we're not perfect in anything. So Passover would arrive and there'd still be a little bit of food left with leaven. So as far as I can remember, it's etched in my memory, my mother would get a piece of paper, right? Passover and tape it to the shelf. So my sister and I would know, don't touch anything on this shelf during Passover. Well, in time, my sister and I, my, we became teenagers. So now you parents, you know, teenagers know everything, right? 
And so therefore, since we know everything, my mother stopped putting the paper on the shelf. You two are old enough to remember, so I don't have to put the paper there to tell you. Well, I wasn't evil and wicked, but the problem is I didn't love God with all my heart, soul, and strength. I wasn't thinking about God. And so I was just going on my merry way, doing life. Friday, Saturday night, I'd stay up to two in the morning or so watching TV. Somewhere about midnight, my stomach would start growling. Feed me! Feed me! All right, be patient. Next commercial, I promise I'll get up and I'll find you something. I pour myself a glass of milk. I look, what else is there to eat? Oh, some devil dog. Sounds good. I grab my little devil dog. I'd sit down at the table and I'd start enjoying my little snack. Somewhere during that snack, all of a sudden, I'd catch the box of matzo or the other end of the table and say, no, it's Passover. I blew it again. You think maybe with the name devil dogs, maybe a little clue, danger, stay away, but no. Listen, if you don't want to eat something, why do you have it in your house? If you don't want to eat it, don't have it. Anything else, if you don't want to play with this toy, don't put it in the closet. Don't throw it in the garage. Get it out. Remove it completely, entirely. Because even just accidents happen. You just get forgetful. And so therefore, remove it. That's why God says remove it. And so it's just great advice that I I never knew growing up, he actually said, remove it. And it is very helpful to do that, to actually remove it. Then this is pretty interesting. The Jewish book of why, some Jewish thinkers see chametz, that which rises and becomes leaven, as symbolically representing the tendencies in a man which arouse him to evil. Now, I think he took things a little step further than I ever realized or was thinking on my own. I just think in leaven's a symbol of sin. In 1 Corinthians, we brought that up. Paul is saying, remove this leaven. Don't be the unleavened bread of malice and wickedness. Don't be wicked. Don't be evil. Don't be doing wrong. And when you see that in context, that chapter there, he's talking about that in five verses six to eight. But at the beginning and afterwards, what is he saying? remove an immoral person. It's not about leaven. It's not about bread. The bread doesn't turn poisonous for one week out of the year. It's not all of a sudden Passover comes and boom, it turns poisonous. If you eat it today, you'll die. And then miraculously at the end of the week, it's safe to eat once again. It's not about leaven. He's using that in the context of saying you've got to remove this immoral person because this immoral person is just like leaven. It will grow and contaminate and corrupt and infiltrate and destroy anything and everything around it. It will grow and get out of control. It's not about leaven. It's about us and things in our life that will grow and destroy and ruin things. So it's all about that. But then in the book of why, he takes it a step further. That which could grow and arouse you to evil. So those tendencies and inclinations that today they're not there, but if left alone, 
they're going to go ahead and awaken something and stir you up and arouse a feeling to sin and do wrong. And so Paul's like, don't even, you know, he says, get rid of the sin. But in the Jewish book, why get rid of anything that could eventually cause you to sin or cause a problem? Don't wait. If you wait, it's too late. Get rid of it now before it's too late. I sit there and love telling the people in churches, there's nothing Jewish about Passover. This is just good Bible teaching. This is just something that we all need to hear and be reminded. God says, there's so much sin in you. I need to remind you every year. Every year, let's remind you, get rid of some stuff. Get rid of it before you run into trouble. Well, I'm going to stop now. I love the four cups also. That's a whole message I want to speak on sometime, but that day will come. And, uh, but the leaven. And then as well, we mentioned lamb is the other food item that Paul and Exodus talk about. I love when I teach on Passover showing, you know, Yeshua, Messiah, the Passover lamb. I remember when I went to deprogramming, when my parents and rabbi sent me for that to try to get me to reject Yeshua. Uh, I had some time with Yehuda and Zalman in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, New York. And uh, if I would have just sat there and said, well, Messiah is our Passover lamb, I can tell you, Zalman would have looked at me and said, open up the Bible and show me. Show me how is he the Passover lamb. It's nice that you see the verse, but you can't end there. You got to look at the scriptures and see exactly how is he like the Passover lamb. He did for us everything the Passover lamb did for Israel years back, and it's a wonderful thing to study. So dig in the scriptures, leaven and lamb, and study those things. It is very important. And so let me pray for us now. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful opportunity of Passover that is coming, and unleavened bread and first fruits and Shavuot. Thank you, Lord, that there, that if we would make use of these feasts, we would profit spiritually. We would benefit spiritually because there is just so much helpful information in this celebration. Lord, thank you that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so God, help us to read your word, be reminded of what you've done so that Lord, we won't hesitate, but we can quickly call and ask you to do the same for us. Thank you that you are our Passover lamb that washed away our sins. And thank you, Lord, for this time to eat unleavened bread and remind us that you want to get rid of leaven and chametz in our life. Have your way and work in us. And I ask this in the name of Yeshua. Amen.